0: You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast.
1: And vixies and all listeners alike uh this is your usual co-host maddie the voluntary vixens podcast joined as usual by tom hanks disease free jesse
0: hello everybody
1: Harkening <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, back to the fun days when um we could still joke around and call this the tom hanks disease i mean i'm still not very uh afraid of this at all but um that's nothing new for anybody listening uh you are fairly aware of my opinions and so um today or tonight i should say we are joined by an expert (gasps) the experts you're supposed to trust the experts right but it really has uh over the past year and a half we all know that you're only supposed to listen to maybe one or two experts like by name and then you know anybody else who might have a blue check mark on twitter and that follows the the already pre-designated and approved narrative, but the other experts, the ones that actually like, you know, were are out in the real world and having very applicable skill sets and knowledge bases. You can't rely on those experts. So, you know, the expert we have on tonight, Kristen Megan, a industrial hygienist and uh, what else is on your long list of things that you actually like are well equipped to weigh in on that? I'm sure people on Twitter have told you you can't.
2: Yeah, no, I actually um, I've I've been in my profession for 19 years and it's like people even pre covid people ask me, what do you do? And it's very hard to explain because I'm an industrial hygienist. I'm also a media correspondent, a journalist. I'm cross credentialed in public health and a lot of emergency response um, processes and basically I work in preventive health, emergency response, and I'm a scientist and I'm a voluntarist. So yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: that's another big reason why uh, we've had we decided to have you on.
1: <laughs> I noticed when I found you on Twitter through very um, rational minds, I think it was the rational ground group I found you through. Um, I also noticed I was like, oh, my gosh, she's actually like a libertarian. <laughs> so this is really cool because. Um, I don't know. I feel like like Jesse and I are both in the scientific and medical fields as well. Jesse's a nurse, and I actually work with uh, industrial hygienists. So, until a few years ago, I would have no idea. Would have had no idea what what it is that you do. But now, I you know, I say the word IH and or I say it like it's a word IH, and people are I forget people don't really understand what that is. So I guess um, if you were to give like a one hundred and one quick version of what an industrial hygienist actually is. Um, I'm sure you'll do a better job than I can.
2: Yeah. So the most like common way to explain what an industrial hygienist is, is to really understand what the field of industrial hygiene is. So we're more behind the scenes, preventive health, preventive medicine, uh, whereas doctors and healthcare workers treat people, we protect them. So we're behind the scenes. So we try to get people from having to go to the doctor in an occupational setting. So my goal is throughout my profession, I have been embedded in every single workplace you can think of, (laughs) healthcare, construction. uh, mining is the only one I haven't done, Um, but we're embedded in whatever company or we're contracted out because there are OSHA regulations, there are EPA regulations, and then there's nuclear regulatory um, standards and a lot of consensus standards consensus standards would be like the NFPA about fire safety and fire mm-hmm. science where it's not a law, but those can be actually cited as law. And, um, our job is we just basically have to know what everybody does <laughs> and how to protect them from what they do. So just to sum mm-hmm. it up, we have this thing called AREC. It stands for anticipating, recognizing, evaluating, and controlling health hazards in the workplace. Um, a lot of people think of safety professionals, which I'm also credentialed in, but, We are more of the health side. So think of noise, radiation, viruses, uh, bacteria, um, chemicals, you name it. I mean, it's such a huge field that like I always say no one knows what we do until something goes wrong. Well, stuff's gone wrong. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So we are the subject matter experts when it talks about controlling health hazards. And this is why I get so irate when I see because because I also am credentialed in public health. I know the difference between public health and industrial hygiene. So I know that public health has no business in talking about how to control a health hazard such as COVID-19. And I also, not to completely hijack the conversation here, but I agree with you, I, I, I'm not afraid of this thing. What mm-hmm. I'm afraid of are the consequences of having it, meaning mm-hmm. I'm going to be locked in my home or after have have my Mm -hmm. Spouse can't go to work. My kids can't go to school. And I'm also afraid if by chance I needed anything that I would be denied that care, but I know enough doctors, they'd hook me up, but I am more afraid of the, the being refused treatment and Mm -hmm. social impact of having it. Uh, Most of the people in my family had had it. I I don't think I've ever had it. I don't know, but I'm not afraid of this at all. Um, (laughs) I'm just not, and I don't mean to laugh at the lives lost, but. I'm just really tired of the deaths being uh, blamed on the virus. When we're not looking at comorbidities, mm-hmm. we're not looking at how we've actually worsened this by imposing the masks because they cause cross and self-contamination and can reduce immune function simply mm-hmm. because <laughs> we are sitting there putting ourselves in these environments where they do lower oxygen content and impede gaseous exchanges. And it's a hot, warm, moist environment, which is like the perfect breeding ground for bacteria and mold and that's why you know I I've been booted off Facebook so I just hit my 1 year anniversary with my new Facebook Pinterest. but you know it's just memories <laughs> that pop up so I got my first memory with my new Facebook and I said oh they're imposing mass mandates this is what you're going to see and I am not happy that I was 100% correct every single ailment that I listed I stuff that you see people complaining about so Basically, I've just been, you know, mm-hmm. I've been a health freedom activist for 11 years, but the government just loves sticking their hand in my profession and then telling me that I'm crazy when the government trained me for 12 of my 19 years. So mm-hmm. that's precious. <laughs> and yeah, I agree. Like
0: the, I had COVID like a couple of weeks ago. And um, of course, the first question everybody asked me is, are you vaccinated? and when you tell them you're not vaccinated, then they treat you differently. So that is actually happening. Um, and I've heard other people tell, like we've had other people tell us their stories of things that where they just didn't get treated. Um, my cousin has had COVID last week. He told his doctor he wasn't vaccinated and nobody would give him anything to relieve any of his symptoms. Um, Like one of the things I needed for my symptoms was prednisone, couldn't get, I asked three different health providers to to prescribe me that, nobody would do it. In fact, one of them uh, just told me, he was on call, he just asked me if I was vaccinated and I said, no. And then he said, well, that would have just prevented all of this if you had just gotten vaccinated. Okay, (laughs) that's great to know, but I need prednisone right now. You know, and, my, and just to give you a caveat, my husband is fully vaccinated and he still got sick. So obviously being vaccinated does not prevent jack crap.
2: Well, I mean, more studies keep coming out. And the fir- what I heard this morning was that the <coughs> I can't even call them vaccines because they're legally not. They're not. Um, but the jabs, as I call them, mm-hmm. uh, apparently their efficacy is below 40 percent and it's only good for two to three months of that claimed efficacy, which I think these don't do anything um, yeah. because I pay a lot. Of, my husband works in public health and mm-hmm. he, we and occupational health and safety, but he's like the real nerd um, <laughs> of the family. So all he does is like study all of this and listen to mm-hmm. a bunch of virologists. And um, he just cannot believe all the breakthrough cases and why we're I'm, I'm not getting it. and how we're still blamed for it. And it's just like, if you can still spread it, what's the point? And I am not getting this. I don't understand why people are not noticing on the vaccine cards, all the extra spaces. It's like they planned on <laughs> yeah, including boosters. And I, you know, I'm sure you, you have been through this where certain things happen. And when you're right, you kind of, in your mind, you're like, "Ah, I told you so, but I don't feel that way about this Mm because I don't want anyone to get hurt, but it breaks my heart knowing how people, how many people I know got it. And I'm worried about the long-term health effects. I am like, when I say I'm worried, like I get, I'm like sick to my stomach over it when I know people have gotten it. And I just think that we are literally watching a soft kill. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Wow, yeah. I'm worried about that too because there's a yeah. lot, like in, my mom and dad included have gotten vaccinated too. And I always worry about the long term effects, or, and my dad has some cardiac issues, and there's already been like cardiac things linked to the Pfizer shot. So it's, yeah, it worries me.
1: What really freaks me out is like, and I don't know if you've noticed this at all, Kristen, um, since like you do have your public health side of your background as well, but I've been noticing like all these other like new and other drugs popping up that just happen to be for side effects that we happen to know um, if you're paying attention at all and not like in denial about there being adverse events happening. Like. The I I keep seeing like new new drugs being um, rolled out and they happen to be for treating various like adverse events from mm. these jabs and so I'm like oh so they're just gonna put a slap a band aid on throw another injection in there and um, act like nothing's happening and um, these are just naturally occurring cardiac <laughs> issues.
2: Oh yeah, I've I have been. Paying attention. Um, like I do investigative journalism too. So I've been paying attention to all of this. And then like now you see Pfizer trying to push their Pfizer Mectin and their oh, yeah. mm-hmm, yep. two tabs a day. Um I think there were oral tablets for like if you had the vaccine, but you still want to be extra protected, like you have to have a vaccine to it's none of it makes sense. No. But I really, how do I say this? I'm really, I get really perplexed and confused as to how people just do not see this. When it takes an average of eight to 10 years to get anything pushed through mm-hmm. the FDA or even getting uh, begin studies, even just this came out out of nowhere. And I fully believe this was a pandemic. I know people are actually getting sick, but the point is, is that the timing of it and everything You don't have to be a conspiracy theorist to go, wow, if this was in a court of law, all evidence points to we are not trying to help people because if we were, we would have been, we would have been told, go outside, get vitamin D. You don't have to be a doctor to know you should eat clean when you're Mm -hmm. trying to be healthy. Yeah. And then those people who were doing healthy things were demonized. I mean, we shut down gyms. We didn't let teachers For me, with the whole masking debate, the biggest Mm -hmm. thing that really, really angers me was when the schools were told, close the doors to the classrooms and close the windows, which is the absolute opposite of what you should do. And that is where, when my profession was left off of these multidisciplinary approaches and reviews, I knew something was wrong. I absolutely knew something was wrong. And there's lots of people in my profession that feel that way because a lot of people don't know this, but industrial hygienists, a part of our profession is we have to study a pandemic preparedness, planning and response. Mm-hmm. So what we're doing right now is stuff I've trained for, for over a decade. And we are doing nothing correct, nothing. So on
1: that note, um, I'm just curious, like with that specific training and background you have. Um, you know, we've had some scares pre-COVID, um, you know, like Ebola comes to mind and other other flu viruses that they've, I know, definitely tried to scare the crap out of, out of us um, with. And so, like, did you actually have part in, or like, were you kind of doing anything hands-on um, active in those, like, pre-COVID times? And it's it's even more of a contrast in your mind of, like, this is what we did, and this is <laughs> this is how you do things, like according to the book. And then here we are now
2: today. And
1: um, you know what book?
2: <laughs> yeah. It, for example, uh, working embedded in healthcare systems for a majority of my career, uh, when we had things like uh, MERS and SARS, even Ebola, when they were talking about Ebola coming to the states we had to train this. I, as the industrial hygienist had to train the staff on the signs and symptoms, how to report them. Then we would track any potential trends. And then if people had any of those symptoms, you know, we isolate them in isolation rooms that have very high, uh, positive pressure exchange Mm -hmm. rates. Certain rooms have positive pressure. Certain rooms have negative pressure. And anyone who follows me on Twitter, you'll hear me talk about the hierarchy of controls. You'll hear me talk about engineering controls. We simply deal with this through engineering controls, which would be making sure that there there's increased air exchanges because a lot of these illnesses are aerosolized. So when they're aerosolized, you know, they stay in the air and you want to draw that away from the breathing zone. So if I didn't have a mask on or anything and I coughed, if the air exchanges were so high, it would lift it immediately out of the breathing zone. It would get thrown out of the room. Yeah, And I mean, this isn't the only, even just RSV, just Dangerous respiratory illness. Mm-hmm. And there are even arguments about what kind of illness this is. And that's not my lane. You know, I'm not a doctor. I don't see patients. Um, but I, have, I am in those ORs and I am next to doctors because a lot of times I have to make sure that the recommendations that I'm making for healthcare workers to protect themselves um, from infectious diseases, I have to make sure that it's working. So I will actually, for example, um, for COVID. Uh, In hospital systems, I put people in powered air purifying respirators, their hoods, and I have to also make sure that it's not, because there's a hose that goes to the back, I have to make sure that they're still able to lift patients in an emergency Mm -hmm. situation. I have to make sure it's not creating a greater hazard for the wearer but mm-hmm. I don't even put them in any fives. So I have so much training dealing with potential um, pandemics just from my civilian life, my nine years on active duty. I mean, there's things I can't even tell you there's things because we saw in other countries from our people being over there that we were worried about them bringing back. Mm. Um, I also know that water removes almost 97% of all contaminants, but we're acting like we have to like burn our houses down. <laughs> you know what I mean? And wipe down our groceries. Oh it's God! It's insane, you know. People are still just—we're doing, doing everything backwards. It's all fear porn. I don't have a better word for it. It's just fear porn because every single thing—if this was about our health and safety—we would have pushed the things that were viewed as prophylaxis or treatment. And you know, you, I'm sure you gals know you can't push through an emergency authorization use if there's treatment on the market. That's why ivermectin was banned. Uh, Hydroxychloroquine. It's like you have to demonize anything, including just going to the gym and working out. Because we had to scare people. And look what look what everyone gave up. Everyone just threw their liberties away. Yep. Yep.
0: (sighs) Well, and it's like all the things like you were saying, like all the things that they put into place didn't make any difference and or it might have even made things worse. And the people that we were supposed to be protecting, you know, are the people that we damaged and killed off. You know, that's the thing that that nobody, I don't know how nobody sees that. Like, think about all the elderly people that died. And the whole point of us like staying home was to protect the elderly people. But they still
2: <laughs> in in New York and in Michigan, we had COVID-positive patients sent to nursing homes. How Cuomo and Whitmer are not in shackles right now is beyond me, but here I, you know, both none of my girls have to wear masks ever. One has a medical exemption. One goes to a private school where they've never enforced masks. Good. But the thing is, we demonize those people that don't wear masks because we're going to kill grandma. All the while, our government is killing our grandparents actively, actively, and everyone yeah. else. And boy, they any little uh, death of a child could be a child who's immunocompromised because they were a cancer survivor. And it could be because their parents never let them out to get fresh air. But if, a, if there's a life lost for a child, boy, the media really plays mm-hmm. that one out. And that is the type of stuff that just makes me very angry because the left will attack anyone in the middle or the right or anywhere on the spectrum that doesn't agree with them and just say, you're a murderer. And it doesn't bother me, but I mean, it's like their tagline. <laughs> hmm.
0: Or my favorite is that if you say you don't want to get vaccinated and you or you want to try ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, then they just hope that you get sick and die. Yeah, they wish. That's my favorite.
1: I mean, that's what they did to
2: Joe Rogan. I mean, the media is mad. He basically lived. Yeah. Damn him for surviving (laughs) with relative ease. (laughs) But speaking of ivermectin, I mean, how about that article with the rolling stone? Yeah. Um, and you know, other websites picked it up. I immediately knew that was a lie. I actually take that exact brand with the horse on it. I get it off Amazon. I've never had an issue. And the only reason I ever took it is when my husband had it. I just wanted to make sure like we both didn't have someone has to leave the house. I'm not afraid about what it's going to do to me. I'm more worried about, like I said, having COVID, I'm more worried about when I leave and my kids go to school. And it's, you know, my, like I said, my husband's the mad nerd scientist in the house. And he's like, this is absolutely ridiculous. The only difference is, is the, is the dosing. And people just think that if it's not given to you by a doctor, well, my gosh, don't take it. And I'm the type of person that if it's not endorsed by the medical community, I'm more likely to take it. And I know that sounds strange, but it's when something says, oh, you know, it's not FDA approved. I'm like, okay. Okay. (laughs) That's a good thing. Yeah, Um, Yeah. I'm like, have you ever watched the documentary A Greater Good? The FDA is this is this huge scam, fraudulent agency, and and I and I still don't understand why people are arguing that these current jabs are um, FDA approved because they're not. And Mm -hmm. I don't know if you have followed that story, but it's not even the the one on the market yet. Right. All you need is a headline, and people just grab onto it, and then the narrative is Mm -hmm. gone, and the damage is done, and it doesn't matter what we say. They're right and we're crazy. It's like my attorney. I'm currently suing Delta Airlines. And one of my attorneys, Tom Rents, he is representing a a whistleblower who's suing the government and the FDA because she's claiming that there are over, and this is like two months ago, this was announced, over 45,000 people have died from these jabs. And a lot of people think it's way higher than that. And the ability to suppress that is magic. I don't know how more people are like coming out and telling their family stories because have you seen these? They get taken down even on TikTok. They get taken down. How are you violating community standards because you're talking about how your mom got the J and J and the next day died and was a healthy marathon runner? This is this is insane. Right. It's like you really are the CCP. Hmm. I mean, that's
0: just like, to me, like you're, there's blood on your hands when you suppress information like that, because the whole point of trying to get that information out there is you're trying to help, you're trying to prevent other people from making the same mistake. You're trying to save people's lives. And by suppressing that information, all these people who could have possibly made a better choice can't because they don't have all the information. And that's that's another thing, like as a nurse, like we, we learn about informed consent, we have to give patients before they have surgery a form to sign saying that they got all the information of risks and the benefits to this surgery and what could possibly go wrong. And I mean, we have to go over that information with the patient because in order to make a decision like that, you have to know what the pros and cons to making this decision are going to be. And I guarantee you, like my mom and dad, they don't even know what the, what Pfizer is. They don't even understand like what that shot is. I've tried to explain it to them. Like how, I don't know how many times, but they don't understand it. And I guarantee you, most of the people that got these shots don't know what they got.
2: No, because the trust in white coats is so strong that it doesn't even matter if it's a gynecologist talking about the brain people don't understand. We all have specialties. I I have my own specialties and I stay in my own lane. And, but if I don't know something like people ask me all the time, I mean, I I know from experience, but people ask me, do you see these issues with prolonged masking or prolonged respirator use? And I said, I have seen them, but why it's happening. Hold on. Let me go ask Dr. Richard Urso, one of the frontline doctors. Um, he's an ophthalmologist and a surgeon and, you know, you have to network like that. And I just feel like there's just too many healthcare professionals who want the spotlight. That's the only thing I could think of, or they're promised like something on a board, who mm-hmm. knows, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, how corrupt, uh, the healthcare industry is mm-hmm. and just seeing those reps come in nonstop. Uh, but no one pays for my golf trips. So I, you know, I don't profit off this. I'm losing money off this actually, uh, because I will stand for the truth and I think that's the biggest misconception. Is people are like, "Oh, who pays her to do all this?" I'm like, nobody. Yeah, <laughs> well, no, and
0: exactly myself and I. And another thing that I mean, just I mean, being a nurse and working in the hospital and all that stuff, you re- you know who which doctors know what they're talking about or know, you know what I mean? Like, uh, especially surgeons. I would definitely be like, if you're going to be at my hospital, this is the surgeon you need to avoid at all costs, and this is the surgeon that's actually good. I mean, we know because doctors are human, too. And that's the thing that people forget is that, sure, this doctor told gave you some advice, but not all doctors really know
2: everything. You actually bring up something. It reminds me. I don't think I've really explained this, but. We only know what we are taught unless we're doing it in the field, and that's my biggest hang up with my profession. Like there are lots of industrial hygienists who actually have never managed the respiratory protection program. they are solely maybe just dealing with like noise and other ergonomic mm-hmm. issues and stuff like that.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But yes, I've gone to school. I have several degrees, but the difference is 90% of what I know is from doing it in the field and in different environments. So a lot of these doctors, it's what they're taught in medical school. It's what they talk on their committees. But Are you actually out there? Are you out there in different, you know what I mean? Like there's some people that work in the same place for 30 years, right? Mm -hmm. If you're not diversifying your experience in your field, then you can't say, well, that's not true. Well, yeah, because you don't ever see it in your facility because you don't even have these processes. And that's how I feel. It's like a lot of people that are like, well, you know, there's no problems with masks, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yes, there is. I, I, it's the main thing in my profession that I've been doing. I mean, I do a whole bunch of other things, but when I say the number one aspect of industrial hygiene that I have the most experience in it's in the respiratory protection program and find me another industrial hygienist that's managed that program for over 76,000 people that is under the age of 40 because I'm 39. So I can't imagine how high that number is going to go, but it's my area of expertise. And, um, You know, I'm not better than anyone else, but I can tell you, I've seen nurses faint and fall out just during a fit test on an N95 respirator. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when people tell me that there's no adverse uh, issues with wearing a mask or respirator, because you know healthcare workers wear them all the time, I'm like, yeah. And some healthcare workers cannot pass their fit test or their medical clearance because when you put on that mask, it Mm -hmm. automatically increases your heart rate and CO2 levels. You have stress. And I'm I'm fully convinced this is what killed my father in July. Um, he had high blood pressure, mm. and he was forced to wear a mask for his job. No one asked him his health history. He was asked to pick up f- extra shifts and do heavy lifting, and at the same time he was also um, getting ready to sell my parents' house and was doing lifting there too. Not mm-hmm. in a mask at home, but but that constant yes it. C- high blood pressure and mask wearing and respirator wearing does, do not go, not go together. That will get you disqualified. So that's mm-hmm. just, I'm, I'm like kind of rambling. Cause I could talk about with you ladies for five hours about these issues, but it's just, when you talk about doctors that don't know these things, it's like, why are we needing medical exemptions for masks from doctors who never, ever, ever have to write these type of exemptions. There are doctors who write these exemptions and they're not exemptions, they're denials and they're occupational health doctors. Because mm-hmm. if you you being a nurse, I'm sure at some point in your career you had to fill out a medical questionnaire, to wear mm-hmm. an N95 respirator, and yep. then it's an IH that looks that over and determines. Okay, I think we need to pass this on to the OCDOC. I mean, they have to sign it anyway, but we will say we'll flag it and say they need a full physical or cardio uh, pulmonary function test, something, and that's what they specialize. Knowing how PPE and mask and respirators, what type of demand that puts on the body but Mm -hmm. then you have like a public health officer or a a pediatrician saying there are very very rare exemptions for wearing a mask. What? Since (laughs) when have you ever signed these? Do you see what I'm saying? Like it's, and that's my issue. Um, part of my reason I'm suing Delta. I used to be able to fly on Delta without a mask and they have you talk to their third party doctors called stat MD. And I, you know, of course I'm being really kind. Cause I'm like, I just need to fly. Cause I'm usually going somewhere to talk about masks. And <laughs> I had this doctor and the thing is he told me my disability didn't matter. Um, even though an OC doc has denied me from wearing a mask and a respirator since like 2013. But my point is who was this doctor? I have no idea what he was. Was he, uh, an ER physician? Was he, I don't know what he is. And I guess I'm saying, like, not all doctors are created equal. Everyone has a specialty or a subspecialty. And we just, I think the biggest, um, the real epidemic and pandemic is people in the um, science community not staying in their own lanes. That's where we're at right now.
1: Well, that and then the adherence to authority like that might even contradict what they would have previously done in other times or had they not been given this edict from the CDC for example you know like the pulmonary critical care like um doctors in the in the ICUs that are may have had and come into this with other other things up their sleeves and ways and ideas to treat patients because they're used to doing so i mean uh, the ones that are probably st- still too many to this day. And it sounds like it's getting, getting even worse, like that are just like if, it, if the CDC didn't say it, then we're not doing it. You know, or if the NIH recommends against something or is neutral, even like even that language is um, disqualifying to some people that really just need to follow orders instead of their own instincts and even previous and prior training
2: and experience. I think that we've come to a point where it's frowned upon to say, I don't know. And I feel like you're a leader when you say I don't know. If you don't know something, do not speak on it. Don't just pull stuff, you know, out of your ass to to just have your 15 minutes because you will go down in history and be exposed. All these, all these help, they're all MDs who also I have public health masters in public health. I'm I'm finding them all over Twitter and oh, yeah. TikTok. And mm-hmm. it's these people, it's malpractice. I don't have a better word for it. It's malpractice. You, I, I, and I have medical training, but that does not mean I'm going to go perform a surgery because I'm not credentialed to do that. So just, it's not, I I just want to see some people lose their licenses because the MDs that are losing their licenses are the ones that are prescribing these meds that are demonized. And the ones mm-hmm. that are not mandating masks in their practices, I know I had to sit as an expert, uh, give expert testimony on a court case where uh, a doctor left it up to his patients to choose whether or not they wear a mask in the lobby. And are you kidding me? If we have a huge pandemic, I'm sure you understand this. If being a nurse, you know, we praise the healthcare workers that work through this pandemic, but then if we're going to fire them if they don't get the jab. But then you see some places backpedaling, like a huge hospital here in Michigan called Spectrum. They decided to not necessarily mandate it if you could prove you had the antibody or like mm-hmm. a previous within six months case of COVID because they were losing people left and right. So there are, if this is such a bad pandemic, which we're not a pandemic, there's no emergency anymore. Um, the emergency was how we handled it. Yep. You know, it's just... I don't even know, like, I don't even know how nurses and other healthcare workers can stay in their professions at this point, unless they work for a healthcare system that, you know, isn't being influenced by the government.
0: What I've seen a lot of is a lot of nurses who've like worked in the ER or ICU. And so by the time they see some of these patients, they see them at the worst stage of it. So they don't know what led up to it. They, they don't have any idea of that. And so they a lot of times these patients end up on ventilators. And so they're seeing patients dying from this disease or whatever. Quote unquote but, dying from. Yeah. But I'm just like on um, from my experience, you know, having been a patient that was denied treatment over and over again until finally I found a doctor who was willing to prescribe me what I needed. Um I I wonder sometimes if a lot of these patients are just told to just go home, just sleep it off. It'll be fine. But we don't even do that for the flu. You know, we we yeah. try to, we, there are things we do for people who have respiratory diseases and prednisone is a very common medication we give to a lot of people who have inflammatory lung issues uh, like bronchitis, for example. And, um, so, That's my issue is that I think a lot of times, like people don't understand their bias. Like you go to work every single day and you see the worst of the worst, but you don't see the other patients. And you also didn't see all the things that happened before your patient got there. Maybe that patient was neglected. And a lot of the times, these patients are obese or they've lived an unhealthy lifestyle, but you didn't see that. So you're just seeing what you're seeing right now and you're making a judgment call about a group of people who decided not to get vaccinated. And you're, you know, you're blaming them for why your patient looks so bad. Not all the other things that you that you could consider, but you're not considering for some reason. And that's my issue with a lot of these healthcare workers.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, I, I see that just from actually, sadly seeing pictures of people, you know, they'll post so-and-so lost their life. And I'm like, this there. young,
0: this young, healthy 16 year old. And then it's like a picture of an, a morbidly obese yeah. person.
2: And, yes. um, you know, just hearing, I believe it was Dr. Corey, uh, that had explained, you know, here, I don't know if you guys know, I have the worst governor in the world. Uh, she, she, <laughs> she saw called all our healthcare workers racist and made them do racial, um, training huh. because so many black people in the state of Michigan got COVID and it's like, uh, dark-skinned, uh, dark-skinned individuals can't absorb vitamin D like we can because we are lighter skinned. Um, so why would you not tell people I I was stationed in England for two years and they prescribed us vitamin D gave us, uh, fluoride toothpaste, which I didn't use. And, um, (laughs) uh, those prescription light bulbs for the mood disorder with light. Wow! Yeah. Mm -hmm. It, so, I mean, I, I knew this about vitamin D because they gave it to us saying, Hey, you're going to get sick because you don't get a lot of vitamin D over here. But mm-hmm. I, it took me a moment to hear it from Dr. Corey and go, Oh yes. Like, cause I didn't equate it to skin color. I just thought of more of like the environment. So mm-hmm. it's just, we could just come up with so many different things that are contributing to the numbers. And yeah. it's, I, it's like, you have to be a real sociopath to celebrate numbers. because trust me when they can go, Oh, this hospital's overwhelmed. Okay. Well I've worked in healthcare for a long time and I know how the bed rotation and bed counts go. And it's like, no, you, the general public doesn't understand the numbers for a hospital Mm -hmm. is, you know, and everyone has to have a contingency plan and what is your staffing? And, Oh Mm -hmm. my God, it's just, it's, I don't even, it's not journalism, yellow journalism. It's just a bunch of, you know, what can we put on that headline to get people to just shame? That's what, that's what the media does. They've really pushed, um, just allowing us to eat each other. And that's why, you know, those that are pro this pro that attack, those of us who are more pro choice, Mm -hmm. uh, you don't have to be anti something to go. It should never be mandated. You know, I, I I follow the philosophy. I'm sure like you guys do, as long as you're not harming another person or their property, it's none, no one's business. Um, but the only one that's really doing harm is the media and the government hands down.
0: Yeah.
1: Yep. The, the very real perpetrators,
0: (laughs) just the idea that you think that there's only one way to like, we know in most, any disease, there's multiple treatments and you have to take into account like a patient's like what they're allergic to what their health status is, because you may have to adjust your treatment. And the, the thing that just drives me crazy about this is that this is the one disease that we're not doing that for. Like everybody just gets the same thing. Does that not as a nurse that should ring a lot of bells for a lot of nurses, because that's like goes against everything we're taught. We're taught to look at a patient holistically and everybody's unique and different
2: in their own way. Yeah, humic right. factors, genetic factors, all of that. Like you said, mm-hmm. history, patient histories. Um, and being a nurse, I know when I've gone in for urgent situations or appointments, they ask me how's my home life and am I safe? And like, do I get mm-hmm. proper nutrition? And now it's just like, oh, come get your spike protein and you can get a free donut, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I I cannot. It's so backwards. I just, I'm laughing because it's I I don't want to sound condescending on me. I, I guess I can't take people seriously that don't see this. Yeah. And I just tell myself these people vote and procreate. <laughs> I, I'm just kind of done being nice because, you know, this is affecting my life and my yeah. livelihood and my money and my health and my mental health and my children's education. You know, mm-hmm. I homeschooled actually using the Ron Paul <laughs> curriculum, uh, my Ooh. oldest for two years before. And Um, that's actually something else that I do. I'm a health freedom activist, but I am actually starting a whole new thing with another individual. I don't know if I can say his name, but pushing homeschooling. Um, because now is a time more than ever where I know some people kind of dabble into homeschooling, but they kind of feel alone, like they don't have resources, but like everyone else is kind of in the same situation. And you have a whole network of people in the same situation and Yeah. We just, we have to take the narrative back. And uh, if you just pay attention to other things going in other countries, I mean, some people are like, well, this place is worse. Okay. But this still isn't okay. Because Mm -hmm. that will be us if we don't stop this. And that's where I'm at. You know, I'm using every nonviolent administrative action possible to expose these sociopaths.
1: Yes. And I think um, the fact, like kudos, and I'm sure it won't be, a, it's not going to be a cheap endeavor. But I think, um, and I've said it for a while, really, like my silver lining of last year was that I thought things needed to be taken to court because I do work like in the litigation field. Like I'm not a lawyer or a doctor. I'm the liaison. I'm the person in between who kind of connects experts to lawyers. And so generally, like we're defending companies that are being wrongfully sued for um you know causation claims but there's so now much i know like, why you
2: work with ihs
1: <laughs> exactly so like in normal circumstances it's like we get to go in depth and there's all this science and literature and it's like really interesting and everybody's like actually seeking truth like turning over every stone trying to figure this out and i um, you know looking pouring through medical records you know like did this guy get lung cancer because he had like 40 pack years smoking history or because he changed brakes once maybe, and he doesn't even remember like which brand, you know? So we like tackle a lot of that stuff and we take every single claim very seriously. We get down to the root, like as close to what we would think is a root cause as possible. Like from the medical standpoint, the industrial hygiene standpoint, all of that. And so I really, it's a shame that, I mean, you know, the vaccine manufacturers have no liability, but that doesn't mean everybody is completely, um, indemnified. Like there are other opportunities and I think people need to sue. Like we're a very litigious country and this mm. is where that would actually be beneficial. And I think it's so important.
2: Yeah. I'm, I'm going after Delta <laughs> airlines. I'm going after the daily beast for massively fraudulent hit piece They wrote about me. That oh every time gosh. I tweet something, someone always tweets it back to me, and I just laugh because I recorded that whole interview, so it's all lies. Like lies, even from the CEO of a of the American Industrial Hygiene Association, they lied. He 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 told me that's not what he said. My point is, I don't even care if I get a reputation for just being like a happy Sue person, because yeah. again, I I believe in self governance, but that doesn't mean I will not use the system. Sometimes I joke and say I'm a currentist because I will use the current system afforded to me to obtain my individual freedoms back. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just like you said, like root cause, that's a huge part of my profession is I always look for the root cause of everything. And I think that's why sometimes I get tongue tied and my brain is in a million places because I see this and I'm like, the root cause of all of this is how we reacted to all of this. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it's all human factors. It's not yeah. causal factors, it's human factors. We did this. We, as a society, we complied. If we never ever complied, they couldn't do anything. Right. And fortunately they created the divide that they wanted. And it's just so criminal. I I don't even know how many industrial hygienists are speaking up. when When you merge the fields of industrial hygiene and occupational or environmental health and safety, I probably know 12 of us and there's over 10,000 of us in the entire country.
1: Yeah, I I'd say the ones I work with are are very on board of um fear propaganda and you know, aren't experts like you are in <laughs> actual like respiratory protection. Mm-hmm. Um so, but it it just goes to show like, you know, a lot of people have a lot of um well-credentialed opinions, or, and when I say well-credentialed, I really just mean, like, you know, the titles, or the, uh, the degrees, and the, and the letters after their last name, but, like, if you actually looked at, like, what their experience was, it doesn't fit, just like you were saying, or, or, like, these weird, creepy vaccine commercials, and it's, like, these doctors, it just goes, like, through a montage of doctors that are telling you to get it, and you're, like, what the hell does that doctor do, like, it's irrelevant, you know, like, go ask the gynecologist if you want this, like, jab to supposedly prevent you from maybe getting hospitalized from an already not very deadly virus. Like, why it, would these people have any
2: idea? Like, well, in the- my profession, that? this is not about um, opinion. There is science that's been, has existed in our field for well over 40 years. And anyone who is in line with the, uh, masking to stop an aerosolized virus and they're an industrial hygienist, they need to lose their credentials because they're injecting their politics versus the science. Cause I can tell you if a libertarian or anyone that's more aligned with my ideology was still pushing this, I'd still be calling it out. This is not political for me. This is stupid. Mm -hmm. And, um, if you see on Twitter, we have like a whole thread of IHs and we just kind of attack the narrative together because it's, it's kind of shameful how many IHs reach out to me and say, oh my gosh, keep speaking up. Oh my gosh, I wish I could. I'm like, you can. And if you get fired Please for doing do. your job, sue. Yeah. Like.
0: That's the problem. Isn't there's a lot of
2: us. I
0: th- I would almost say that we are the majority, but there's so many people who are scared because the minority is loud and obnoxious and they will call you awful names. They'll dox you, whatever. Do their best to ruin your life. Yes. But we have to stand up for ourselves and we have, this has got to stop like just being quiet and being afraid to, I don't know, upset your, your family or your friends has got to stop. It just has to,
2: I guess on my end to close To close it out rather than just complaining, like if I can give advice to what people can do, it's just don't comply. Do not comply. Go to your school board meetings, go to your county commissioner meetings, go after your health departments, pull your kids. I know that's scary for a lot of people that think that they can't. Well, it will always work out. And there are communities in your area that will support you if you have to go to work. There are stay at home moms willing to take on um, the role of teacher. But you have to stop, stop complying. Don't put your children in masks. It's child abuse. Don't do it. And wait in my school district alone, where my, it's a, my oldest goes to a public school. There's over 450 people that got pulled out. That's over 2, 2 million, $2.4 million that the school lost. Wow. And they are making money off of masking the children. They submit their COVID plans. And if they have masking of the children and the requirement or any sort of um, clinics where they're vaccinating in the, on the property of the school, they get more federal funds. That's How is that even legal? But.
1: Hmm. So Kristen, um, we know you got to run. Uh, you've got your own show to record and put out for the, <laughs> the eager listeners that still like to uh, hear actual information and critical thinking and rationality so uh Kristen where can our listeners find you
2: um you can go to uh my Twitter which is at Kristen Megan uh just look at how I spell my name here um also our website for the media group I work with is realdealmedia.tv. TV, and uh, we have a show that airs on brightion.tv uh Monday through Thursday at 7 p.m Eastern and, um, I'm just very active on Twitter. I'm very active on my socials because I had my own personal website and it just kept getting yanked down. People mm-hmm. were putting crazy things on there. Um, but yeah, that's basically, I'm trying to create a one-stop shop on the RealDealMedia.tv uh, site where people can get all the frequently asked questions and help people want from me. I'm trying to put it in a one-stop shop. So that's perfect. And, um, definitely think people
1: need to be seeking out the information that you're be you're able to provide because I think it is quite unique. And they've been thrown all this, you know, information and disinformation in like the public health and more medical lens. But I think like you said earlier, your role is prevention, like before this is even relevant. And so Mm -hmm. I think um that's something that everybody can
2: kind of take to heart and apply in their own. Just look up uh an image of the hierarchy of controls and we should have followed that. And when you see that masks aren't even on that pyramid and PPE, which are respirators are at the bottom, you're going to go, why did we skip all this other stuff? (laughs) just so people understand in pre-COVID, if I just randomly threw people in respirators or masks without following the hierarchy of controls and showing how like engineering and administrative controls didn't help, I'd be fined. I would be fined because I skipped to the easiest and cheapest option. Mm -hmm. It's not easiest for the workers and it slows down production, causes a lot of issues. So, well, I'm so glad that you ladies had me on. We'll have to do this again. Um, I have my own segment of my show. I should have you ladies on because I'm trying Ooh. to get more people to understand our ideology um, because yes. we're just like violent people because we believe in, you know, peace and self-governance. So, <laughs> yeah, crazy but we look like regular soccer moms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't have kids yet, but exactly. We're normal. <laughs> well, you can have one of mine. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, you seem cool
2: if they're being homeschooled and or taught by you. Yes. And I have an exchange student this year, so it's very fun. Very cool. Yeah. All right.
1: Well, thanks again, Kristen. Um, Good luck with your show and we'll be in touch.
2: All right. Thank you so much. Bye.
1: Yeah. So everybody, Jesse. Catch you next time. I think we'll be recording uh, normally next week. Actually, I'm pretty excited for our next week's host. Um, (laughs) I'll leave it at that. But so in the meantime, keep it sane, keep it peaceful, keep it voluntary.